I'm Nicole A. Donnelly, your host of the Redefine Gifting Podcast, heartwarming stories of charity and philanthropy, brought to you by tisbest.org. Give the gift of love. Now get cozy and enjoy the show. Welcome to this episode, the founder's story of the Redefine Gifting podcast. I'm here with Eric Marks and Simeon Kathy, who are the co-founders of Tis Best. And so this is a special occasion to get these two together on a call. Don't think I've had that yet. Um, and I really wanted to know where the heart of this came from. i when you were young, Simeon, what was the first kind of philanthropic or charitable activity that you witnessed? And it could be something that a parent did or neighbor or friend um, that kind of started you on this path, even from a little seedling. Yeah, so I think uh, the first memory I have that really made me f- understand what giving charitably kind of meant or felt like Um, I think it was I was about eight years old and it was back before I used to only sing in the shower or in the car Um, I was in the choir at the Baptist church and we did some caroling we went to the old folks home and there was all these people in wheelchair and some you know some people couldn't talk there were people who had mental disabilities and um, I remember we we walked in, we stood there and we started caroling in front of all these people. And I just remember watch, you know, being very uncomfortable and not really understanding why we're there and watching people's faces just light up. And um, I realized that it, we weren't really giving much, but we were just, but we were sharing some energy in that space. And it, I left there, I, I showed up there going, Oh, mom, why do I have to do this? And I left there feeling like, wow, there was something there. There really was something there that was important. I wasn't really quite sure exactly what, but I definitely felt it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Eric, what about you? I didn't start that young, I have to say. Um, I, uh, I, I was pretty focused on my career as a lawyer. Um, and I wasn't, to be honest, focused on philanthropy and charity. And I wasn't, I was raised in Berkeley, California. So I was raised very much in a liberal background with an awareness of the needs of others, but I wasn't, uh, I didn't have my eyes open to charity the way Simeon just described until later in life. Um, I had some personal troubles I went through and I took some time away from work. And uh, there was a guy at work I ran with every day and he was saying, well, what are you going to do during your time away? And I described things like traveling and fishing and skiing. He said, well, have you thought about helping other people? And it was that one comment from a guy on a run that changed the trajectory in my life. Um, Because my answer was no. And I said, well, what would that look like? And, uh, And he talked to me about some of the charitable work he'd done through his church. And um, so somehow I got hooked in with with um, the woman who was running mission trips at the church I was going to at the time. And I made an appointment with her and she said that uh, they had a trip leaving in something like three weeks to Romania to work with orphans. And I didn't have kids and I had no experience working with orphans and I didn't even know where Romania was exactly. And um, and sh- they had been working on this trip for six months. And she said, but you're sitting here before me today. It seems like you're meant to go on this trip. Why don't you come and 
and I went and I worked with orphans in Romania, and that was how I got started in in caring about philanthropy and charity. And how did you feel after that experience? It was eye-opening for me. Um, like I said, I had been pretty focused on my career as a lawyer, um, but I came back from that and I wanted to help other people. Um, and I realized that very much I didn't need to go to Romania to do that. And I then vol- started volunteering at Union Gospel Mission, which of course is is one of our featured charities on Tis Best today. Um, and it was right down the street from my office. My office was right near a questionable part of town and, and UGM was down the street. So I'd walk, to, walk down there um, and, and work in, in their legal clinic and help people who were trying to turn their lives around. That was really meaningful. Uh, we really made a difference. Those were people who usually had had um, drug and alcohol problems, had spent six months in the UGM program turning themselves around. And our task now was to help them clear up their past legal problems, do things like restore their um, their driver's licenses, um, to get convictions off of their record if we could and help them get back to where they could they could move forward with getting a job and getting on with their lives. So that was my next step. Then uh, I had the opportunity to work on a construction waste recycling company. Uh, a friend of mine was starting that and they had the opportunity to help him get that started. But believe it or not, it was actually hard to recycle construction waste in the city of Seattle back then due to regulations. And we worked and, and got that Seattle's first construction waste recycling facility started. Um, that was a for-profit business. When was that? What year? Well, gosh, I don't know. Uh, probably around two th- early 2000s. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I came out of that. And at that point, I was questioning my whether the rest of my career was going to be in law. And it, it wasn't, ultimately. Um, but that was before the term social entrepreneur existed in the world. Uh, I learned that term came along later, but as I came out of that part of that effort to start that construction waste recycling company, I decided that I wanted to do my next project to be a business type enterprise that made the world better for having operated. So those were my words I wrote down on my personal piece of paper that I was using to track what my next step was going to be. And there were a lot of ideas that went onto that piece of paper. In fact, I know how many that, well, now the piece of paper has something over 50 ideas, but, um, but uh, one of them has really come fully to life. It was number 27 and it was the idea for charity gift cards. Excellent. Simeon, I imagine, you know, if you did the singing at a young age, you probably participated in a lot of other activities as you were growing up. Um what what fills the gap between then and where where Eric just left off? No, I think um, it turned into probably less of helping groups of well, I guess well, maybe go the other direction here, but um, it transformed into kind of a leadership quality that I experienced. So wherever I went, whatever job I was in, I always found ways to look around me and see where people were struggling. The first real solid experience of that was when I was in the Marine Corps and I was in boot camp and there were some people who just really struggled to learn how to march, to do more than two push-ups, to, you know, to get their uniform ironed properly. And we had one hour a day that we could use the shower and write letters home. And I would find that hour, you know, they were trying to teach us that if the weakest link 
is will make the group fail. And so I'd spend that hour every day during 13 weeks of boot camp finding, you know, I have already identified the weaker, you know, the people who struggled in different areas and I'd pull them aside and I'd teach them how to iron and I show them how to march. And the reward for that was with, they put me in a leadership position. They made me the guide of the platoon. And it wasn't that I, that was my intent, but that was my reward. And as a team, we all grew together. Um, and then that's just kind of been my experience through life at Microsoft, you know, uh, building SharePoint. Um, in my own personal company, I became an entrepreneur, started building technology of my own. Um, and that's when, um, that's that, and that's where, I think that's where I really started realizing that were my the influence of uh, that kind of leadership and helping people out was in my own little silo, and that's actually where we ended up. That's that's where Tis Best, where I got involved with Tis Best, is re- during that realization that you know it was it felt good to help people, but it was in this really siloed way and and focused around business. Okay, so as I understand, you were at Microsoft when you started talking about Tis Best? Well, it was just after Microsoft. I um, We were building this product SharePoint. A lot of people use it all over the world. And um, part of my job was to figure out if we were building the right technology for real people, for real businesses. And I realized I could be more valuable outside the company. So I left Microsoft to try to bring the customer voice back to Microsoft and um, started building a little team. That business really started to grow. And that's um, at one point we were working, we were just growing like crazy and we were working 70, 80 hours a week, you know, and I think there were 10 of us working out of my house, you know, the typical, the kind of the, <laughs> the stories you hear about the 2000s where, you know, the big internet bubble. And um, one day I thought, you know, I feel very disconnected from my community. I feel like there's a world out there that's just kind of flying by without us noticing because we're so focused. And we'd been doing that sprint for about three months. And so I wrote an email to all my employees and I said, hey, you know, I feel like we're just missing the connection. I don't really know my neighbors. I don't know. You know, the only people I know are the, um, uh, the people at Starbucks that make my drinks. I know their names and that's about it. Um, it'd be good to connect. So does anybody have any ideas? Uh, to my surprise, every single employee wrote me back and said, you know, um, they, they all wrote back and said, yes, we agree. And here's an idea. So we had ideas like, let's go to the soup kitchen and feed the hungry. Let's go to the children's hospital and bring them games or stuffed animals. You know, let's do things like that and, and, and make an impact. Not only so initially I was amazed that everybody felt the same way I felt. Um, but then I thought, well, I set everybody down. And I said, you guys, listen, we can all do something individual. Uh, we can all each go do something to help everybody out. But we're technologists. We're engineers. What if we could build something? That could um, that other people could use to scale giving and helping the world, and I didn't really know what that was or where that was going to, but that was going to end up. But it was just a thought in my head that I just kept kind of you know coming back to. If we have these really specific skills, um, what can we do to really scale giving? And that, that's when I ran into Eric Marks. So where did you guys run into each other? Well, I had I had put number 27 on my list there, which was the charity gift card idea for helping the world be a better place through business. And uh, I was trying to find a technology company to partner with. I could do the financial piece. I could do the legal piece, but I was not a technology guy. And I was networking. And it turns out that uh, someone I knew was a partner in Simeon's company at that point in time and introduced me to Simeon and his team. 
And we were able to get going on this. And I mean, Simeon and I, I'm sure both remember those times. We would work full days at work and then I would drive to his house. Sometimes I get there around eight or nine at night. I would always arrive with an excellent bottle of red wine. <laughs> and when that bottle was done, usually around midnight or 1 a.m., we were done with our work, but we had knocked out a piece of Tis Best. How long did it take you to build the first, you know, the MVP? Aren't we still working on it, Simeon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. The first, I think, working version of Tis Best, which um, actually were physical, you would, you would go into a retail store uh, yeah. and buy a physical like a regular greeting card and it would have a code on it and you would go to the website, put in that code, and then you could choose from around 250 charities at the time to distribute that money to. So, so, so that's a really interesting part of our history that I've forgotten. It was the uh -huh. first, so six months. So we, we launched his best as you, as you know it today, as a website where you can buy a charity gift card around October of 2007. So just in time for the holidays. But before that, in about March of 07, we launched a prior product effectively. And the reason was there was a patent in 1999. So this is right before, right at the beginning of the massive internet boom that ended in the 2000, 2001 bust. Um, there was a patent issued by the patent office that protected the issuing of a unique code associated with a charitable donation where that code could be used to direct the charitable donation to a certain charity. You know, it turns out the PTO office issued patents for all sorts. Oh, if it was done over the internet, that was the thing, right? And so it turns out that right before 2000, PTO office issued out hundreds of patents for do I'll sell gum over the internet and they'll give you a patent. <laughs> and um, of uh, of course, you know, that was not sustainable in hindsight, and they started striking those patents down. And so in 07, there was a patent that protected this issued in 99. So in early 07, as Simeon said, we decided to work around the patent by putting the issuing the code not through the internet, but on the face of the card sold in a greeting card store. So we were setting ourselves up to be a greeting card company. We didn't want to look quite like all the greeting cards on the rack. Um, and the way these greeting cards work is they had a code in them. You take the code to the internet, enter the code, and then associate the money with the card. Called it a giving card. Um, didn't want the cards to look like regular greeting cards. So I hired a woman who was a seamstress and an expert in fabrics. And in a borrowed lent, i.e. free space from a friend, um, we figured out how to make greeting cards out of fabrics. They were elegant and beautiful and had sequins on them. And in our Tis Best office, we still have them in our sort of history case. And I put them in local stores and we sold them. And I remember still the first customer, I got to buy one. It was amazing. Simeon had built this website where this person could go and then load the money on the card. And then we sold more. We didn't sell a lot. Uh, we, we made display, points of sale display because what it turned out was you couldn't sufficiently explain this concept in a point of sale environment. I could do it if I was in the store standing there. But once I walked away, no matter how much information we provided there, it wasn't going to work. You needed a website to convey this information. So we were scratching our heads trying to figure out what to do next. How are we going to overcome this obstacle about communication? And uh, two things happened right on the same day. One is I was sharing the challenge with the woman who was our seamstress and working the fabric expert. And she said, oh, that's easy. You just tell them it's just like a gift card, but rather than buying stuff in a store, they get to give the money to charity. So it was the first time that our product 
concept was associated with the gift card idea. And really, unfortunately for her, it was the woman who no longer had a job because she shared this idea with me. Um, and number two, remarkably, on the same day, the patent office struck down that 1999 patent. So now we could issue the codes over the internet. We immediately decided, okay, we're doing gift cards and we're doing gift cards with codes on them over the internet. I don't know when that was, Simeon, but we had to build that thing in a hurry. We did. Yep. That was, that was why we had the late nights with the yep. uh, red wine. Yes. Yeah, that was the time. Yeah, we must have learned. It must have been August when we learned that and we launched two months later, I think something like that. Yep. Yeah. yeah. First year, first year, there were no physical cards. Uh, first year of 07, you could only buy, you could buy a charity gift. You have us email a charity gift card to someone or you could have us email it to you and then you'd forward it through your email to the other person. So did you, how did that first uh, giving season go? <laughs> uh, it know, was it, the best of times and the worst of times. <laughs> yeah, it was. If you imagine um, driving your car down the road and having your mechanic on a skateboard holding onto the door next to it with the hood open, that's pretty much what it was like. You know, you, <laughs> we were constantly we were working on the engine while we were, you know, yeah. driving down the road. Oh my God, what a year! And then, it, you know, it would have been a small year. Um, but we hired a, a PR firm to try to spread the word of what we'd created. And, and there are folks that we still work with them today. Um, C plus C here in Seattle, they focus on uh, mission-driven concepts. And, and uh, they got us some remarkable coverage. They got us in the New York Times. They got us in the Wall Street Journal, in things called magazines, which mattered back then, Newsweek. <laughs> um, Good Morning America, I think, too, wasn't it? Yeah, we were on Good Morning America. Um, NPR. Well, yeah. NPR. NPR was what made the difference. They put us on the morning edition, which means we ran three times in every time zone. And the piece they did had a nine-year-old girl talking about charity gift cards, why she liked them, and why she liked giving them to her friends. And our... I mean, the website traffic spiked, sales were doubling day after day. Um, we went from a few thousand dollars a day to tens of thousands of dollars a day within a week. And as Simeon said, he was trying to work on the website under the hood while we were doing this. And 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 that was challenging enough. But then, then this is the worst of times happened. Um, it was December 17th. And I got a call at four in the afternoon from our credit card processor. And they said, we're not processing credit cards after 6 p.m. today. And I said, what the, you know, what the heck, guys? And, um, and they said, well, we sent you a letter. We hadn't received a letter. We tried to call you and left messages. We got no notices. So basically, we got effectively two hours notice. They shut down our credit card processing. What it turned out is the person who had sold us that service. And I'm not going to name the name of this company as much as I would love to. <laughs> but the gentleman who was a, a salesperson for them um, had defrauded us. He That company prohibited selling gift cards across its platform. And when I submitted the form that described what we were doing and I wrote charity gift cards, he asked me if I could describe what we were doing in different language. And so I did. They didn't use the term gift card. So I changed the language. I said something like charitable giving, and he was fine with that. There were terms and conditions uh, that were supposed to appear on the page. He had deleted those from the form. So uh, we had no idea that we weren't supposed to be using them to sell charity gift cards. When they saw our sales 
uh, doubling or tripling day after day. It threw up the automatic flags in their system. They looked at what we were doing and they just, without thinking about it, shut us down. Um, they had 90% of our revenues that year. Uh, oh, by the way, we were able to get going about uh, 72 hours later, uh, a bank, which I will mention, Washington Trust Bank, who I bank with now, uh, banked a little bit with back then, then they really stepped up to the plate, did the right thing and got us online again. And I'll always respect them for that. And um, we got going, we got close. But this this other company, the bad actor here, they had 90% of the money we'd taken in that year. And we needed to give that money away to charity. It wasn't even our money. And I fought for four months to get that money out of them. It was incredible how hard it is. They were entirely in the wrong. Um, We ultimately decided not to go after them legally because we really wanted to focus instead on our product and our opportunity. That was very much the right decision. But uh, what a year that was. Yeah. A lot of lessons learned. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so that was 2007 when everything was starting. Um, how much money has Tisbest given to charity to date? Over 20 uh, million, right, Sivian? That's right. I mean, in, yeah, total. Um, and it's an, it's an interesting question when you ask it that way, too, because it's really, uh, we're a donor advice fund. So the gift purchaser, the purchaser of the gift, is really the person who puts the money in and in, in, drops the money in the account and the recipient is the one who chooses where that money goes. So at the end of the day, the gift purchaser really is giving the money to charity and we're helping, we're, we're getting advisement from the recipient on where to send that money to. So yeah. Um, yeah, so once in a while, if we run a special program for one of our corporate customers, there'll be money left over and then we'll distribute that. But the total amount of money that's been I think through our system in the last 13 years, um, given out to charitable organizations, I think it's around 25, just a little over 27 million at at this time. A little bit of context. So our first year revenues in 07 were $350,000 and our revenues today, our revenues today are generally five to $10 million a year. Revenues, donations, same thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is one nonprofit that's run like a business. It really is. That is yeah. If you think about who we're competing with, it's the the big the retail the big online retailers of the world, right? It's we've got a we've got a you know people. Science proves that people enjoy giving a gift that then that person gives to somebody else. And there's some great videos and studies out there um, that talk about that. Um, and there's I think there's some links to it up on our website, but. Um, but you still have to get in front of people and make them aware that there is a gift auction that is a really special gift that does good for the world. So yeah, we've kind of have to run it like a real, a, a for-profit business in that respect. We've got to get in front of and compete with the Amazons of the world and, you know, the Starbucks gift cards and the, you know, all that, those things out there. Well, and Nicole, that was, that was one thing that we had to learn about ourselves. You know, you have to learn about yourself. When We created this thing from scratch. The term charity gift card actually didn't exist. We created that term um, through the history I described a couple of minutes ago. And, um, and when first year two, we were trying to figure out who we were so we could tell people why we were a good idea. We had to figure out we weren't really in the philanthropy and charity space. Philanthropy and charity is ultimately very core to what we do. 
but we're in the gift giving space. We are important when someone has a birthday and you want to give them a birthday gift or when an employee has an anniversary. And so as Simeon said, our competitors are not the charities. Uh, the ch even the word competitor isn't right there, but but we, we, aren't, we are a charity legally. We are not a charity in terms of the space we operate in. We are a gift company. And and the people when people choose to buy a Tis Best charity gift card and give it as a gift, they're doing that instead of choosing a bottle of wine or a box of chocolates, or God forbid, an Amazon gift card. Um, and uh, and and so those are the companies we compete against. Those are for-profit companies run by people who are focused on and very skilled at business operations, and that's how we need to compete and how we see ourselves. It is, and that's. That is an important part because when I first was meeting the team, you know, it's like you have salespeople, you know, and, and that's, that's different terminology than other nonprofits would use, you know, like you don't have salespeople <laughs> at a nonprofit. And so it's kind of funny because it is a, you know, I come from business background and volunteering with a lot of charities and um, the way that it works at Tis Best, everyone, what's so nice about everyone who works with Tis Best or for Tis Best is there's the same heart of charity. And then there's the need to have it run like a business. Um, and so there's the business side that's needed as well as the heart side of things. And I think both of you bring, you know, the business acumen to it and the heart to make a difference. And so when we can connect with other business leaders to give them this message of redefining gifting. So like our hashtag redefine gifting, you know, give more gifts of good and less stuff. Um, that's where, that's where tis best can really make a difference. And so I want to ask you about where you see the future of tis best and kind of the legacy of the organization as it's going from this sort of consumer focus to business focused and how businesses are so much con more concerned about, you know, their social efforts. Um, there's been a real shift in that in the last few years. And so many more people are getting on board with a business that needs to have relationship with a nonprofit or do good in the world. Um, and so can each of you speak to that and how you see like what's next for Tis Best and what's gonna going to cause more people to give broadly? I'll start. One of the one of the, you know, what we saw this last year and a half with COVID, I think really changed people's perspectives. I think also just in the last, you know, six or seven years, the way companies feel or expect are expected to have take some responsibility in the world um, and have their, you know, uh, CSR programs. Um, we saw it, we did, we saw a big shift about people wanting to do something and, and um, giving or gifting rather has always been a big part of business. People take people out on boondoggles, they buy them, you know, um, in trade shows, they buy, you know, they give people swag and you know, there's always this kind of gifting to connect people idea. But now with um, the kind of cultural and social responsibility that people feel, and then the kind of lockdown where people felt like they couldn't really get out and make a difference personally, those two things combined, have, we've got a lot of a lot more feedback from businesses. In fact, we just did a big survey and we found that um, you know businesses love, well, they love the 
the solution that we provide. They also love that when they uh, purchase TIS Best Charity gift cards and they give those out, it's tax deductible. They get a tax deductible receipt. So it hits their bottom line in a positive way also. So they can feel good about that. Um, but then also having a customized experience. So the kind of the direction that we're going is, and we've implemented from a technology and an experience perspective is a real uh, customized experience, really personalizing it and branding it with uh, with a, the, a businesses, with the brand, their message, so that when they give out the TIS Best Charity gift cards to their vendors, to their employees for appreciation or their customers, when customers, when any of the, the recipients come to the website, they can have a completely branded experience. So really personalizing. You can almost think of TIS Best as having microsites for different businesses that that business can now kind of be, it's like that business is giving website but powered by TISBEST. So instead of a business having to go build and create all these programs, um, we've already pre-built it. We can just put in the brands, the message, and deliver that. So that's one the direction we've been going, um, and that's been working really well. Uh, getting the word out has been getting easier as well. We've been partnering with some influencers who have been going out and uh, giving, uh, creating awareness as well. Um, so that's, that's kind of one direction we're really looking at going. I think the other thing that I'll mention just briefly is we've had some international interest and we're not necessarily planning to uh, offer TISBEST our platform as an international solution, but we have been uh, sort of mentoring some other some other uh, countries that want to do something similar. Thank you. Eric? Uh, you know, Simeon runs the show these days, so his answer <laughs> counts more than mine. Um <laughs> I think Simeon said it quite well. Uh, holding course, the one thing I see is an organization that's changing from being tiny to being small. Um, I, Simeon, how many employees do we have now? Around I think we're at eight staff now. Eight full time and then a couple mm -hmm. peripheral contractor types. During holidays, we bring in another four or five people. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so that's that's quite a bit larger than it has been mostly historically, and we're uh, so, so so Simeon's leading the charge in terms of evolving us from being tiny to being small, and the, the changes in in staffing and COVID is is a big um, big challenge there too. So I, you know, I, I, our product is evolving as Simeon says, but the organization is also evolving too as this demand comes in, and we want to be ready to meet it. Um, we are a gift solution. We also are somewhat a financial, uh, not institution, institutionette, I don't know, but we have financial responsibilities to our customers, our donors, our participants um, to get it right. Uh, we, when they ask us to give their money to someone, it's very important to us that that money goes to that place in the right amount every time. And um, so making sure that we handle that correctly as we grow is is really important to us too. Yeah, and so a little something that is, there's some different areas of growth with TISBEST and that is the business customers, you know, coming and buying the charity gift cards as opposed to anything else. And we've seen, you know, we've seen a really big increase in that this year already um, and definitely saw a big increase in that last year. Um, and another thing that, we have seen work well is having wealthy people use his best as their personal giving vehicle. And so that, you know, somebody who's got a million dollars can spread their money, you know, can 
use to his best to facilitate the giving. So when they give someone a $30,000 gift to go to charity, they're not just giving a gift on behalf of somebody. That person actually gets to choose where the money goes. And in, I know in a lot of the conversations I've had, most people have a little niche, like Eric and Simeon, we were just talking before this, Eric has, you know, environmental concerns. And that's where he wants to put his money. Simeon might have different ones. I'm a lot of women and children's causes. And so if somebody gives me money to give away, I would want to give it to women and children's, you know, but Eric just donated, let's say on my behalf, uh, $10,000 to some ocean cleanup project. (laughs) And, you know, when we can facilitate the kind of giving that really connects with the recipient, you know, so if you give me a gift and I can choose a women and children kind of organization or horse hospice or whatever it is, then, um, then it creates a better connection between the two of us. And you're really like, it's, you're really acknowledging my need to support women and children as opposed to just push your, push your agenda forward. So it creates these more meaningful connections, meaningful gifts. Um, I know financial advisors and wealth managers, once they get the cards and start giving them to their clients, they don't stop because the feedback is so good. And I feel like that's the emotional connection created in client gifts is a, is a huge one for Tis Best going forward too. You know, I, I want to tell you a really short story, Nicole. Um, speaking of business customers, I've gone to a lot of trade shows. I've spoken at a lot of trade shows. And I used to, you know, shove all the little doodads in my backpack and I'd take it home to my daughter and she'd play with them for a little while. Um, we, when I brought her home a charity gift card, a his best charity gift card. And we sat down and I got, she got to learn about philanthropy and I got to learn about what she really cares about in a different way. When she was actually asked what she would give money to was a whole new experience. And we get those thank you notes from people all the time. So that, that particular um, experience where you're doing trade shows and now with remote trade shows, we're seeing a big rise in that. Um, and that's, what a special gift. When I'm, if I give, if I'm trying to give you like one of those little squishy balls, stress balls with my logo on it and your kid plays with it. Yeah. You're going to see my logo once in a while, but bringing home a Tisbeth charity gift card and going through the process of looking at the different charities, whether they're your local charities, maybe somebody, you know, works for a charity, or maybe it's something you really care about. You know, you really, you love your cat and you want to give to animals. Um, that's not just helping um, an organization that helps the world, but it's also learning philanthropy. Learning philanthropy at that young age or at any age is a really powerful experience for people. And the more that we come together and help each other out, whether it's through helping organizations help people or helping people give to organizations, um, just such a huge impact. I, I'm, we're seeing such a spike in interest there for, for um, when given this option. I'd, I'd love to jump in here a little bit too and, and talk, pick up on that about what excites me about TisVest and why it was it I was so excited to make this come to life from the very beginning. And it's not just about raising money for women and children or pets or the ocean or whatever it is. That's very important. And we're very proud of doing that. And it puts a big smile on our face. Equally important for me is it changes the conversations that people in the world are having. Rather than talking about the bottle of wine they gave each other or the box of chocolates, instead they're talking about how to help women and children, 
how to save the whole the, the ocean, how to feed people. And we aren't going to save our oceans. We aren't going to help women and children. We aren't going to feed people until we all start talking about it a lot more. Yeah, yeah. I agree. That's why we're talking about it here. So Absolutely. Perfect way, perfect way to wrap it up. I mean, I, you know, I was inter- I interviewed Larry on Saturday and he said, you know, everyone can do something. And it starts with those conversations. It could be small donations and gifts, um, but everybody can do something. And that's exactly, you know, exactly what you were both just talking about. So thank you. Thank you for your time today. I think we'll wrap it up here. And um, I can't wait to see how this season goes. (laughs) Thanks, Nicole. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, Eric. Thanks, Simeon. Take care. Thank you for choosing to spend your precious time with us today. I'm Nicole A. Donnelly, and this has been the Redefine Gifting Podcast, brought to you by Tis Best Philanthropy where you too can give the gift of charity at www.tisbest.org. You can also find the show notes for this episode and all other episodes at the tisbest.org blog. Join us next week for another giving story that will bring a smile to your face and quite possibly a happy tear to your eye. Have a wonderful day.